0: Alrighty, we're back again with another episode. Thank you so much for being here since uh, we know how obnoxious these conversations can get. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff has gone down the last week. I know Kyle has a lot of feelings, so I guess we'll jump, uh, jump right into uh, Game 7, Raptors Choke Oh, Lowry man. gets fouled out, and your boy Fred Van Fleet dicks around for twenty seconds trying to be Kobe. Yeah, playing and like Mike throws a fucking brick. How do
1: you feel, yeah, it, Kyle? It was it was the worst feeling because the game game six in their first overtime, they have I think there's nine seconds left, and they come down and they give it to Norman Powell, who did the exact same thing: sizes up a guy, tries to step back. That's not your game, you're a big, strong, strong guy, same <laughs> as Fred and like get to the fucking cup, and then in the second overtime, Kyle Lowry obviously backed in the guy, did a little post up on- Kembe, Ken- Ken- hit the so shot so nice once he come once he gets out of the game, it's like, okay, you're gonna still stick with the one that didn't work. then <laughs> go with that and get uh it was just it sucked. it, it was, was a- such a tough last two minutes to
0: watch. I just felt like everything was just so poorly done. And, like, once, like, you could see, like, the, you know, the life gets sucked out of everybody's eyes when Kyle walks off the court, and everyone's just like, yo, where's Kawhi? (laughs) Honestly. But But, you know what? Justice and has taken place because Kawhi got knocked out, too, so it doesn't really fucking matter. Mine,
1: mine (laughs) is, it's, that's, that's the difference in playoff basketball, because everybody, everybody talks about, like, uh, you need these stars for whatever, but, like, regular season, Milwaukee they go out they have the best season they have the best defense they uh Giannis just got announced as uh second consecutive MVP back, back. and uh I think and then he got defensive player of the year as well gross disgusting he's the man gets knocked out yeah in the second round <laughs> by fucking by Chicago who technically has Jimmy Butler as an all-star but like everybody else he it's the The game comes down to who has the brightest stars that can finish a game, and that's that's where with like with the Raptors we have Kyle Lowry, but he's not he's not like the superstar guy's gonna take. He's the guy that can keep you going. He's gonna put his, everything out there, but he's still a small point guard. He can't be the he can't be that guy. They got Jason Tatum on that other side. And that that dude is a killer. He's he like he plays like Kobe did which is a ridiculous-sounding thing to say, but he's got the same mannerisms. He plays, he plays, just, he hits shots on anybody. He's got a better three-point than Kobe did. He's, he's a real deal. He's getting the work put in on him in the second, uh, in this uh, conference finals from Jimmy B, but, like, he's, he's a dog. But then, then you jump over to the Clippers. Whew.
0: I God. watched the last couple of games and I'm just God, like
1: damn. I'm just
0: like, oh no. Not like the Joker now, coming like, in. Give,
1: give Denver all the credit. Like this isn't the like, Clippers choked and like somehow the Denver Nuggets the Denver Nuggets are the team to beat right now. They're As, gross. Like obviously LeBron and the Lakers, they're 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 an animal. But this is a team that's been cultivated. Like they, these guys have been on the squad for years. Like they they went all in on Jokic when they traded away. Uh, they had Yusuf Nurkic, who they they're both basically the same same body size. I think they're both Bosnian or whatever they are. And then he gets sent to Portland because they want to go all in on Jokovic or Jokic Jokic. God, <laughs> I keep listening to uh, Brendan Shaw on one of his podcasts <laughs> yeah. keeps calling him Jokovic and it gets <laughs> fucking with me every time. But the Joker, they went all in on him and he's paying off. He's got he's got. The ugliest face, the slowest <laughs> body, the like must keep a shirt on at the beach guy, and he's out here outperforming everybody. His, and then Jamal Murray's he's on throwing him. dimes, Ooh. he's yeah. throwing
0: dimes passes like he's just got the ball above everyone's head, and he's just like and he just catches
1: a rebound like his his uh his break starter is on Hall of Fame. This is a 2K <laughs> reference for all y'all. He catches that rebound and he's looking and he's just throwing. It's not a it's not a catch. See what he wants to do He knows I want to throw this bomb If there's nobody there I'll pass But this, if I see anybody out I'm going And he knows he's capable Of doing it and He's a 7 foot monster He's strong enough To throw it So And then Jamal Murray Canadian boy Killing he's, it. he's out here Putting up 40 pieces On anybody Yeah You got Kawhi Leonard on you I don't give a fuck I'm gonna step back In your dome <laughs> Like he's He's a man He's a man amongst boys Right now He's balling out And for then, real. But the the thing is that they it's not just these two. It's not like a like a Paul Paul George Kawhi Leonard. Where it's like the, this is their team. It's these are the Denver Nuggets and these are the two best players. It's not their team. They're part of the Denver Nuggets. They got Michael Porter Jr. over there who they got a steal because he got he was injured going into the draft, so they were able to get him I think tenth spot. They got Will Will Barton. They've got they've got a strong like Paul Millsap who's been. Criminally underrated his whole career because he's undersized, but he's still out rebound. He's been a great rebounder his whole life. He's got a nice shot. He plays hard. He's good defender. They've got a strong seven at like against anybody in the world, and everybody just he, they've just created it without going to free agency. They've created it without paying a mass contract some new guy, and it's basically cult uh, culture. Versus creativity, and that's that's where the Clippers lost it. They just couldn't do it. And then also talking about mental health, Paul George, he he openly was talking about it that he's just he was in a dark space because of being away from family, being away from people, and he he was like, I, I think I'm starting to feel myself again, but clearly something was off because that's not the same dude. Like he's he also I I I have been reading up on it because I was trying to like Paul George and. Indiana when they're going up against LeBron in the Heat and they're they're it's he's looking like he can go toe to toe with the goat he can go toe to toe with him at any point he can play with anybody and then slowly he's he's been changing kind of how he plays and and I looked up the stats and he's shooting his shooting threes like especially in the playoffs at a much higher percent than he ever did like uh of most like he I think he was averaging eight threes per uh per game. And then I think it jumped to eleven in the playoffs, whereas Clay Thompson was I think seven, and wow. that's that's you need to realize if you're shooting more threes than Klay Thompson, a spot up shooter, and you're bigger than him, you need to get to the hole. You need to get free throws. You need to be actually creating stuff, especially if you start missing, because mm-hmm. if you're not like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they're they're unconscious. It doesn't matter. They can miss twenty in a row and then hit twenty in a row. It doesn't matter they're gonna shoot that ball but like if you're not that kind of guy which is everybody else in the world <laughs> you need to get to the hole you need to see the ball go through the hoop and he just he, he shied away from it so he's been doing it for the last three years and it just kind of shined a spotlight on it since he called himself playoff p all he does is get eliminated he's never done anything in the playoffs and he called himself playoff p like you can't give yourself a nickname that's so tough. when it's not a good nickname that's so tough
0: i have a lot of respect for the miami heat though oh. i saw like, just the way they've been playing, they're up 2-0 in the series already. I'm like, yo, he's giving them the work. But uh, I saw this thing um, on Instagram the other day. It was, like, showing where all these guys on the Heat roster come from, from, like, these random bum-ass schools. And I'm like, this is this is a pretty serious squad. And this is basically, yeah. in my opinion, coming – like, we talked about Jimmy Butler before – and how, like, you know, he looks... he When he was in Minnesota, he looked at, you know, Cat and Andrew Wiggins as these kind of, like, spoiled little bitches that just yeah. didn't want to work hard. I feel like now he finds himself in an environment where he's got a bunch of people around him that were given the same shit hand as him, and he's leading this squad of no-names to the promised land.
1: Yeah. Like... He he talks about that openly, how... Because everybody's asking, like, how how come it's working here? Because, like, he's, he's with people that are younger... Even than the other like Cat and Wiggins and them, they're they were a couple years older than like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I think they're both twenty. Yeah. Like they're the uh, they're the youngest people to be in the uh, Con or the the conference finals. Because I I think they're the first. Uh, one of them is the first person to make it to the conference finals born in two thousands. Yeah. That's crazy <laughs> to even say. That's weird. But like, they're they're younger than them. But for some reason he's working here and everybody keeps asking him and he's like, it's because I can say whatever the fuck I want. Like if, if, if this dude's not doing his job, I can tell him in any words I want how to do his job and why he's doing it wrong. And I'm backed by everybody. I'm backed by the coach. I'm backed by the trainer. I'm backed by my teammates. And if I fuck up, they can say the same thing to me. And there's no repercussions. It's not something where I need to be nice. We need to make sure we build chemistry. It's just we need to work. If you need to tell them to work harder, then fucking tell them right now. And that's he's like this. That's exactly what you said. Everybody's everybody needs to work on that squad. None of them are just gonna come out there and be LeBron James. None of them are gonna be the best player in the world unless they work hard every goddamn day. And that's what they're doing. They're balling. And I every, love watching them. It's I I said it I think on our Instagram. But Jimmy Butler is. He's he's the all-star that you want on any squad because he's the glue guy. Like you you always you generally you have your your superstar talent, you have your shooters, you have your defenders, and you have your your glue guy that just kind of does a little bit of everything. But he's the glue guy and the best player on the team. That's that's a rarity because he's like in the uh their last game, I think the last 6 minutes ish, he got three big steals that led to led to buckets. And that sealed the game. Like it was, a, it, I think it was a five point game. But I I watched that whole time, yeah. and he's the one making those plays. It's not like there's generally one role player shows up in a playoff series, and like like how Iguodala got a Finals MVP when he played with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. He shouldn't have got it, but he got little did little things, and it showed out. Uh, Kawhi Leonard when he got the, the Finals MVP with San Antonio, he had. Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, and Tim Duncan, who were better players, but he did little things. He was the glue guy that kind of made it all work. Jimmy Butler is the best player and that guy, and that's that says something for your your team and your culture to have the hardest worker and the best player be out there. And yeah, definitely. He, I think he finished with 16 points. Goran Dragic, the veteran that's been around forever, he he was uh, he started out as Steve Nash's backup. And you like watching him play, you can see he does the same shit because all of all of nash's like uh teammates talk about the fact that when he when they were on the suns, when they had that seven seconds or less, it wasn't something where they like they decided to start running it was he got the ball, and we were going if you don't go, you don't play, and there's like that's it there's no questions it's he gets the ball. We're pushing it as fast as we can. We change the pace because this is how we play better. Because sometimes, with some people, they if there's a, if shit's going wrong, they'll slow down and try and like get everybody back up to speed. But different different teams can't do that. Miami Heat, Phoenix Suns, that, that year's Phoenix Suns, they didn't have the team to slow it down, hit the half court, make like pick and roll here, and just set up your offense. They don't have that. Same as Miami Heat. So Goran Dragic... I think in the second or third quarter, he kind of just started pushing that pace. Just every time he gets it, he's shoving it down your throat. He's going as fast as he can, forcing you guys to double so he can get the kick, or going straight to the hoop. And it started changing the game, changing his teammates to get going. And that's a that's a 30-something-year-old vet, and that's the difference right now, is that this team is led by veterans and and hard workers, and the other team is led by... Two like really great players in Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown's on his way. But like they're young still. They've they've never been here. They've never done stuff like this. Yeah. Like these other guys, they've been here. They've been around the block. So yeah.
0: definitely, definitely exciting to watch our team. Um another topic of conversation I wanted to throw at you. Um Kyle Lowry. Is Kyle Lowry a Hall of Famer?
1: That's the hardest question because it's like what is Kyle Lowry? Is Kyle Lowry a superstar? Can you build a team around Kyle Lowry? No. You can't. If if he was your best player and you just put role players around him, you're not you might make the playoffs. But but the thing is, if you have a good team and you add him to it, he is that glue guy I was talking about. He could be your if he's your third or fourth best player, you've got an amazing team. But Hall of Fame is tough. But also, everybody and their grandma gets into the basketball Hall of Fame. So yes, he's a lock. <laughs> but for like actual credibility, I'd I'd say he needs an, like if he can lead another championship without adding a mass contract. Like if he, if they just pick up decent free agents and he leads another even even just finals trip, I could say yes. Because he was, he was the second best player on the team last year, and right now he's their best player.
0: Okay, so
1: he's got six
0: all-star appearances in the all-star game, mm-hmm. um, but he's only got one all-NBA, and it was a third-team all-NBA. I know. So, like, third-team all-NBA, and that was, what, 2015, 2016? So, like, that was even a fucking handful am I'm pretty sure
1: I've got, him, I've got him at, like, my sixth or seventh point, best point guard drafted since 2000, he's, he's not, he's never, that's the thing, everybody's like, he's the best, blah, 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 but it's just, he, he's been here. He's, he's a, he's like, he's a hard worker. He's a middle class guy that showed up to work every day and then that business blew up and started getting big, big jobs and made super huge high rises but he was there when they were making little things, so everybody's talking about him as the reason that it's there. But it's it's the the whole team has gotten better. He's just been the same guy. He's done the same shit, he has grew up a little bit. So funny thing I just saw here on uh, Basketball Reference they give him an
0: eighty five point seven probability to get in the Hall of Fame.
1: Oh yeah. No, no, don't don't get it twisted. He's going to the Hall of Fame, but his credibility is that you know it's it's hard. I like if I were to like pick you only get 5 5 point yards from this like the last 10 years probably not going to be him. He's probably not going to make it. But if I'm looking at if I'm looking at it emotionally as a Canadian, he's he's a lock. But if you look at it just as a stats and what he's done, there's no chance. Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely you know, it's it's definitely it's, it's fucking basketball. It's It's the Hall of Fame. you got to think, too. like The Hall of Fame, even this goes for the NFL, too. The Hall of Fame isn't what it's conceptually supposed to be anymore. No. Because when you think about the Hall of Fame, you think, these are the players that changed the game. These are the players that you can't tell the story of this sport without mentioning what these players did. Yeah. But the Hall of Fame in modern sports is... We need X amount of guys every year. Yeah, we need so many names to go in. We need this to keep rolling. We need a
1: headline. We, we need we need Kobe Bryant, this guy, and then eight other guys below it. But we need that one guy that really should be in there, and then we'll just throw these guys in because they need, they helped out. Yeah, and we teams. need to
0: have a, a a ceremony that is you know huge. It's on TV. We need all of the big names to revenue. be there. Yeah, we need that revenue money to, like, you know, pay for this building and all this stuff. And, you know, there's there's so much that goes into, like, funding this place just by having more bodies come and, like, selling tickets to it and stuff that they have to keep pumping these people in even when maybe there wasn't that many great historical players in this era. Or maybe this club doesn't have that Like, I'm looking at the NFL... Uh, the NFL's uh, first ballot nominees or something like that. Like, guys that are just eligible yeah. for the first time. And there's some names that are you're like, oh, 100%. There's, like, Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson. That I'm like, yo, definitely. And then there's guys that you barely remember. Maybe if you played Madden in the 2000s, you remember? Like, Charles Edelman. Tillman.
1: Edelman. Th- like, that's well, he's,
0: he's not in it, but he's still playing. But, yeah, he's one of those kind of guys. Uh, yeah, like... He'll probably get in. Oh, was,
1: there, was a, there was a receiver from the Patriots that was on there that I, I only recognized. Wes Welker. Yeah, Wes Welker. Yeah. The the small guy that looks like me. Edelman before Edelman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's what I'm saying. They're the exact same person. The <laughs> only reason I know who he is is because he played with Tom Brady for two or three yeah. years. I don't even know how many years.
0: Yeah, like a handful of years, yeah. And, like, he was good at the time. Like, he was the man. And he won a couple championships, and that's probably good enough to get in, but, like,
1: that's the thing. And that's, that's the thing. Motherfuckers call millennials, like us, participation trophies. Like the fucking boomers have been given participation trophies for all these fucking <laughs> Hall of Famers. You showed up. You were here for a long time. Here's your fucking ribbon. Yeah. Like, like, like Ice
0: Walker in all of his greatness, did not change the game and was very minuscule because all of those Patriots teams, here's what they're known for. Having an outstanding defense, having the greatest football coach of all time, having the greatest quarterback of all time, and having the ability to win regardless of how poor the offensive talent is on that side of the ball. Yeah. They've had maybe one other person on that offense in this entire time. Sorry. I'll, I'll For sure, one.
1: For two, sure, one. There's
0: two people that have <laughs> touched that offense besides Tom Brady that aren't like, there's some good linemen in there. I'll give the linemen credit. Yeah, they line, will, They've had some great linemen. Um, but yet like, again, linemen
1: don't get any love. They no, don't get nobody love, knows their name. But I'll
0: respect, you know, Logan Mankins. There's some boys out there. Like, I'll respect the dogs. But, like, there's, out of their skill position players that Tom Brady's had as weapon, there have been two guys that I think are Hall of Fame pedigree, and that was Randy Moss, who was a really brief one, yeah. and Rob Gronkowski. Other than that, yeah. everyone else has been an all-star, has been a, a pretty good, but has not been a Hall of Famer. But they're going to get in. Wes Welker get in. What is it? what fucking Tim yeah. Brown, maybe a couple years ago, he'll probably get in. Edelman will get in. Yeah, all, like,
1: all these – all like, most of the receivers – were bought for seventy five bucks off the <laughs> trade market. Like they were, they were. They were it was something not. that nobody wanted, and they're like, "Just give me a body. Like, just put somebody out there. I, I can throw it to anybody. Yeah. Just put somebody there so that we can technically run our offense. Like, it doesn't matter who they are, and they just get these hall of fame careers out of it. It's like, no, they're not hall of famers. They just happen to have Tom Brady there. Yeah. Like so, most people, be- most a- if you're a professional athlete if you put the best quarterback like arguably the best quarterback I don't know of all time but like one of the top ta- in in a discussion and you're a receiver you're going to have a fucking good year like it's it's a, like it's a no brainer like you can't you can't just give those guys fucking credit just for showing up especially when the
0: offense has been clicking for so long consecutively consistently And then you throw in these random bum receivers. They're just going to fit into the mold. And they're going to do what they got to do. And they're going to get their numbers. And that's just a product of the system. Of the coaching. Of the quarterback. They're all one thing. That's why they were so good. But um, yeah. So it's the Hall of Fame in football is like that. The Hall of Fame in basketball. I can see being like that too. And they they got to keep pumping out these names. It's because they
1: they do it in a weird way. Like uh, a lot of. A lot of the Hall of Fame is like different coaches that coached at like uh, University of North Carolina for 20 years, had a great record, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, then he should be in the University of North Carolina's Hall of Fame. (laughs) Like he didn't do shit for us. Like he he made, yeah, he had one and uh, a shitload of one and done guys that were going to go to the NBA. He went, they went there first. Yeah, that's true. But like, I get it. He builds culture, but he didn't build the NBA culture. Like, stop stop putting all these people from college in there. It's like, put them in, a, in their own Hall of Fame. It's not, it's like, NBA is a different animal. You don't say the MVP of, of the FIBA league <laughs> is Giannis Antetokounmpo because he played really good in the NBA. No, you only talk about NBA. You don't talk about all the other fucking things. And I guess they, they call it the Basketball Hall of Fame. But Me. stop that. Me. Like, don't call it the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's numbing it down. You have the best quality players in the entire world in one organization. It's not a discussion. Make it the NBA Hall of Fame and then everybody else can have their own little baby Hall of Fame on the side. <laughs> but make it the the Magic Johnsons, the Larry Birds, Kim Lajuan, Shaq, Kobe, Jordan, LeBron. These guys, it doesn't matter what house you go into. They know who you're talking about. If I say James Posey... That could be a guy in the Hall of Fame. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is there's, there's a good chance? Maybe he's a musician. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> you have no idea. But if if I can look it down a list and not know your name, and I pay attention to basketball, the list is flawed. You can't be. You can't have changed the game if I don't even know what the fuck your name is. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, but
0: quick uh, detour to football. Um, Joe Burrow, the young man mm-hmm. In Cincinnati right now This guy is kind of a dog So But no, shit. he lost the first game <laughs> okay, but,
1: like, he's, he, You can't be Owen wanted to be the he's best actually, uh,
0: He played last night too, they had Thursday night football He played his second game in the NFL He played uh, against Cleveland And he lost again um, <laughs> But you know what, it's so funny He's like, this might be the only time In my uh, competitive career Where I've lost two games in a row yeah, <laughs> it's like welcome to Cincinnati. He's running for his life out there, and the thing is, is I think he's gonna be. very good. Yet again, You
1: gotta get no love for O linemen but when they aren't there, you, know. you fucking you could watch a game and you can tell which team has a good O lineman and well, which team is not playing good offensively.
0: I think he's gonna have a very similar career to Andrew Luck in the regard that he's gonna be great. There's you know there's flashes already. He had that like a twenty yard touchdown run by himself. You know, first week week two he dropped a dime in the corner of the end zone under pressure like Mm. he finds receivers he extends plays he runs for his life and he throws a nice ball he's playing great he has the potential to be great he's got the competitive you know he's got the if factor he's carrying this team and this is a team of guys that have been in the nfl and he's carrying the load because Mm. they fucking suck (laughs) they suck they (laughs) suck
1: so much they've been shit my entire life they will like, always be shit like decades of bad <laughs> playing because like it doesn't it's... matter
0: how good any of these cincinnati teams have been even like when chad Cinco was playing there yeah maybe when they had that one year where it was like chad tj hushmanzada they had um you know carson palmer was nice at the peak of his career in cincinnati and they had like a nice offense But they've never been good enough to get past Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And I honestly don't think they ever will. Mm. Because it's... There's... You know, some teams can, you know, get good players. But they just don't have the organization to run a team and be successful. And Cleveland is a prime example. They have a gross, studded cast. They've got Miles Garrett. Ridiculous. They've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who both had two touchdowns and and over 100 yards in one game. Like... There's the most disgusting backfield in the NFL. Baker Mayfield, he's not a slouch. He hasn't been doing great, but he's not a waste. Yeah. And you are not a complete bust yet. And then you have Jarvis Landry and Odell, and
1: you're struggling? Like, these teams... It's, it's yet again, it's Minnesota Timberwolves versus <laughs> yeah. the Miami Heat. Miami Heat hold you accountable and say if you're not physically fit, you don't get to play. Minnesota Timberwolves tweet at you saying, oh, you did a good job today. Yeah. You, like, you can't have, a, you can't have a, a team that just is accepting of losing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. The Cleveland Browns are just been, have been so bad for that. It doesn't matter how many good players they have. They're still going to be a shithole in and that like,
1: conference. And Cincinnati is somehow worse at this moment. If you if, Like, as a human being, if I have a really shitty season... I figure out how to spend the money to switch my name so I'm not the fucking Browns. That's (laughs) the worst name in the world. Like Uh, You are literally shit. That's what your team name is. You're going to be a brown helmet. That's how fucking marketable your team is. You're Mm -hmm. a brown helmet. You've got all these creative people that are huge on social media. Odell Beckham Jr., what technically <laughs> they have an
0: orange helmet
1: their uniform yeah out. yeah they have a shit orange helmet but you you've got odell beckham who's been on different tv shows he's a he's a creative guy he does different colors hair does all this stuff you don't you're not going to try and market towards him i know he's only been on the squad for a couple of years but he has a name he has a brand Make like it talk bad. with him talk with him talk with who, who is the guy behind him helping him get, create this you have baker mayfield I don't know football I've never even seen the guy and I know exactly who he is talk with his people like stop stop thinking that you know what's best you've been shit forever you look like shit yeah. change it yeah you can make a difference I, I think I think the
0: ugliness of
1: the team and the ugliness of the
0: uniform and everything like they're, they'll probably never change it because it has like I guess as far as football is concerned, it's got historical value. Fuck your historical
1: value. They need a whole rebrand because the Cleveland Browns are fucking shit. Like, when was the last time they were good? Was like TV in color? Like, I don't like was everything just black and white? Like, I don't, I, I don't know of them being good. The only time the Cleveland
0: Browns have ever been a good team was when Jim Brown was playing on the team, and he is like the godfather of old school football He's they they should have <laughs> retired
1: the browns with brown you guys fucked up yeah. hindsight is 2020 but now you can make it up i let you know switch your team name you guys look like shit play like shit you have a culture like shit make a new name <laughs> fucking hell yeah
0: that's really tough you know what I i can't remember i know it's a it's old football history thing I'm pretty sure the Browns at one point I'm pretty sure they got up and just like left Cleveland and became a different team and then they reestablished the Browns I think that's how that happened I don't know maybe I'm wrong but anyways yeah Cleveland Browns suck and the fact that they're they have all this talent they can't make it work you know what Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh are clearly run by some good people they've got yeah. good coaches and they're competitors between each other even when the even when the Steelers look like okay, maybe their run is over, they're still finding talent and guys they got, you know, TJ Watt, they've got Minka Fitzpatrick, they've got Juju, like they're still making it work mm. under, you know, circumstances where they should be getting destroyed and they're still like top defense in the league. Like that, they still know how to run that, their shit. That's the thing
1: with uh with the Ravens as well is they they had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, arguably the two best players at their positions. Like it's obviously an argument but they're top players in those positions, and then they they're gone, and that defense is still at that same level. They're and still balling. You you're still a top defense after you lose two of the b- biggest names that you've ever had, and then you have Lamar Jackson obviously on on top, where, like he's he's a stud. He's gonna he's gonna make his impact, whatever. But deep, you you put all that there. You have this the the stud quarterback. You should like in in retrospect if you're looking at it from the outside. You're like, okay They must have a sick offense. They must have been their defense is still there They you you create a culture you keep that culture you maintain it It doesn't matter who you have you're able to put them in just like Belichick It doesn't matter what white short guy you have you can put him in that exact same spot make him run that exact same route He's gonna look fucking fantastic with Tom Brady throwing it now. He has cam He's he's actually got to do his coaching a little bit more because he's got to change it a little bit. Like obviously he's he's one of the most brilliant minds with changing his schemes and everything. Now he has a whole different type of quarterback. We get to see what like how creative he can actually be.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely interesting. Um, last uh, sports thing I wanted to talk about was um, yesterday uh, Kevin Love put mm. out an article talking about mental health um and dealing with depression and anxiety. Athletes don't get depressed. <laughs> Athletes are they they're, they're just happy all the time. And you know what, it's it's a it's a great article. I definitely think you everyone should uh take the time to look it up and read it. Um Kevin Love. I think it was in the uh player's tribune. Yeah. I think that's where it was posted. Yeah if you don't have
1: that bookmark bookmark it now. It's <laughs> it's it's the best best place for articles it on the internet.
0: Yeah. And so basically to give it a quick summary as he talks about his story basically what he says is um you can't succeed your way out of depression he says regardless of the fact of him having this platform of being in the nba and in the spotlight um you know those things don't stop depression and you know he talks about how like um he's like just because he won an nba championship doesn't mean like the depression was cured and you know the credits roll like that's not the end of it he's He's like, I don't have a happy ending to share with you. I just can tell you that it gets better, and you just gotta find help. And for him, it's therapy and medication, and those things aren't cures. He'll probably have to do that for the rest of his life. And mm-hmm. I think that him telling this story in such a you know very raw way, I think it's it's very powerful. Like he credits some other people that have also you know come out with mental health discussions uh, recently as well. Mm-hmm. But him kind of talking about it really talks about, even just as males, talking about your mental health as a male, how do you address that when people are always saying, just get over it, get past it, oh, don't worry about it, it's not a big deal, like, oh, you'll get over it. Like, those things, I heard them my whole life, and to a certain degree, yeah, maybe they were helpful in a certain incident. But regardless of your, you know, everybody's individual struggle with anxiety and depression, it doesn't just make things go away. No. So having someone with that pedigree talk about that, I definitely thought that was really powerful. Yeah,
1: there's one part in there that kind of touches on what you were saying there, that he same uh, him, same as Robin Williams, they both kind of, they had the idea of, I'm in a workout, and like for Robin Williams, he would go run as much as he can to get out all the energy, then go do a stand-up and do everything, so he had absolutely nothing left in the gas. And that wasn't so that he was no longer depressed. That was so that he could no longer think about his depression. So just um, his Kevin Love would just, he'd work out as hard as he can, play basketball as much as he can. And then you don't have enough energy to think about how depressed you are. It's not gone. You just, it's a coping mechanism that's not sustainable because yeah. he, as he said, once back, once he hurt his wrist, he was out, he was out uh, two different times that year. And he just sat in his room because he had nothing. He wasn't allowed to go work out. He wasn't allowed to get that energy out of his head. And like, for me, I've never, I've never had the same level of depression of that. But like, I've, I've felt that where I feel like complete garbage and I feel like, like shit's failing and I'm failing everything and I just need to go do something. And I'll just go like, I've, I've sat in the gym and played basketball for three hours where if I miss a shot, I run back and forth. Then when I get home, everything's all good now, because I just it's not it's not that it's good; it's that I can't I'm so tired I can't deal with it, and it's something that it resonate. I'm sure it resonates with a lot of athletes, because everybody like like you said, everybody says get over it. You're you're gonna be fine. Just you you've done good things. Why like you can't be sad? Like look at all these other people. They do the comparison. Like look at the homeless guy in Ethiopia that hasn't eaten in seven days. It's like yeah, compare him to anybody you've got you've got a fantastic life it's not that people aren't saying that they've got a shit life or that they don't enjoy what they have it's that they just feel bad that it's not it's nothing else they feel bad and it and, you can't fix it by just doing something
0: and and it's not even necessarily like they feel bad because you know bad things have happened like yeah you know childhood trauma mm. can play a big role in this you know the way you're raised obviously that has a lot to do with it but then there's other th- aspects too you can have a chemical imbalance in your brain and that can cause you to have you know um, was it borderline personality disorder you know uh, bipolar disorder like there's so many different mental conditions that you can have mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with you that you you didn't do anything you know wasn't you did anything wrong you had a bad diet or anything it's a chemical imbalance in your brain your brain is wired differently than others and these things can come across from various reasons. And then you just have to deal with it for the rest of your life. And there's nothing you can do to cure it. It just is there. And it's always there. And for some people, it's always been there. And they don't even understand. They don't know. Because, you know, it's always, especially for men, it's been such a cliche to, you know, oh, you're not some kind of little bitch. You don't have to worry about it. Stop crying. You don't, you're not some girl, right? Yeah. There's all those gender stereotypes that... We didn't have, we can't have problems. And then, you know, maybe you, maybe there's something else. Maybe you get diagnosed with one of the things I just said. And then you kind of realize, Hey, I've been dealing with this my whole life, but no one gave me any credibility because whatever.
1: Like the gaslighting idea. Yeah.
0: Gaslighting. And that, that can happen to anybody. Hmm. Right. So it's, it's definitely, it was definitely powerful for him to talk about those things. And I definitely thought it was worth a read. Um, If you're struggling with those kinds of things you know it it, even if you're not struggling things even if you're one of those guys it's like I'm fine I got no issues give it a read it might if it doesn't help you it might help you be more compassionate to your brothers around you because there's a lot of guys in your in your life maybe like I said maybe it's not you maybe it is you and you're just not ready to understand it yet but there's definitely people in your life that you didn't think have mental issues I don't have you know, they're working on their mental health that needs some kind of understanding that you maybe weren't ready to give them because you just didn't get it. Yeah. And I
1: think it's definitely has a ton of value in that regard. Yeah. And for me personally, a little subnomer on it. I don't know if that's a real word, but I'm going go with it. <laughs> no, it just makes up
0: words, but you get what he's I saying. do it all the
1: time. You, you'll figure it out. Continue. But, uh, <laughs> like with it as well, Say like there are chemical imbalances there are issues but don't don't jump to that as your first diagnosis of yourself you if, you, if you diagnose yourself like yeah. you'll obviously never diagnose yourself but like if you're if you're feeling like shit kind of take take a look at what you're doing in your life at first because for me when when i'm feeling like shit i kind of look at my life like what am i doing wrong like what am i doing wrong and i look at it be like okay well I my my wife is like reasonably happy. I'm happy. Like I've got a decent. I've got a good family. I got kids. I got this. I got that. It's not something that I'm doing wrong myself. Maybe there's something else that's going on in my head. But if you look at your life and you think, okay, well, when was the last time i worked out? When was the last time I ran? When was the last time I hung out with somebody? When was the last time I talked to anybody? if you're you're answering all those with no's, like nevers I haven't talked to anybody I haven't ran, I haven't kept in shape i I eat out every day now, think about that before like as that might be part of the depression because you might actually feel like shit because you're treating yourself like shit so you gotta you gotta keep that in the back of your head that you have a little bit of accountability on your own but if once you check off those boxes and you're you start doing things right and you still feel like shit that that's probably not your fault. Yeah. If, if you're doing things right and you don't feel good, it's okay to ask for help at that point. Just make sure you do your, do yourself the, the honor of making sure that you can take care of it yourself. If you can, if you clearly can't ask for help right away, don't wait.
0: Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing too, is I feel like, especially when I was younger, I used to think like, maybe I could just like, you know, help fix this or you should find the problem mm-hmm. to fix it. Sometimes it's not that easy. And so like, if, yeah, like Kyle said, if you can find those boxes and check them off and, you know, give yourself some kind of test, like, you know, figure out, am I just like my body image? Because like he said, if you're not working out, you're not eating, all of those things, whether they're conscious or subconscious, they will weigh on your self-image and they will weigh on your self-esteem. And that can make you feel sad. But once you're, once you've kind of realized you're past that or maybe it's so much worse than that, that you're like, I can't even think about those things because I feel so bad. You need to talk to somebody. Yeah. And uh, you know what? If therapy
1: is there. And uh, make sure it. you talk to somebody smarter than the two of us. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't come talk. If you send us, if you send us a message, we will, we will take it and we will send it to somebody that's smarter than us to actually have a proper conversation <laughs> with you. Like you can reach out to us. We will, we will answer no matter what, anytime. <laughs> but we will not give you any help. Because we don't know how to, we will we will give you to somebody else that will help you. Yeah, we'll try. Don't and, ask dumb people.
0: We're we're not smart enough, or educated enough to. I uh, make up my
1: own words. Yeah, this guy's using fake words. We can't. So maybe I anything. am more intelligent than the rest of you. I know more words.
0: But uh, yeah, just know you're not alone. That I think that was one of the messages that Kevin Love was trying to put, put yeah. across: is you're not alone. There's other people out there dealing with the same thing. And even when you think that you know it's just your world, there's just there's ways to go about it to help make it better, and it does get better. Um, but uh, I think it's uh, time to segue to another thing I wanted to talk about today. There's some fucking movies your boy's been watching. Oh. And by watching, I mean I actually didn't watch one of them, but I'm going to rant about it anyway.
1: My God, I, I watched the-, the trailers. I, I was like, okay, like okay, oh, so- hey, take a, take a look at these movies. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I'll take No, no, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do so- it.
0: Okay, so Kyle's talking about the movies I did watch. So let's talk about <laughs> that first. my God. Like, okay, yeah. so I think I watched it a while, like a couple years ago when it first came out because it came on Netflix. It was yeah, called The Babysitter. Um, it's got some randoms in it, and it's basically, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm spoiling it now. It came out years ago, so if you guys haven't seen it And you're not going to watch it. Yeah, you don't really want to watch it. If you're going to watch, gonna it, watch it, you're probably
1: going to be drunk in your okay. basement. It's all okay, good. So
0: I think it's hilarious. I think it's a pretty campy movie. I just think it's jokes. Um, but basically this kid finds out his babysitter is part of this blood cult and they're just like killing people for sacrifices to, uh, you know, make their dreams come true, make a deal with the devil.
1: Illuminati. And
0: it's a very ridiculous movie. There's so many scenes where you're just like, "Eh, not sure how that happened, but whatever. Like, oh, oh, that's very convenient, but yeah, whatever.
1: It's, it's a lot like Thanksgiving, where you just kind of go with it, <laughs> or you just don't like it.
0: um But yeah, so they recently put out this sequel, and it's pretty tough to watch. It's called The Babysitter Killer Queen, I think. um And, like, I didn't even know, like, where they really, like, made this. Like, how did they find, figure out that this is where we're going to take the next plot? Because, like, there's so many things that I'm, like just don't make any sense at all and a lot of you know the way they kind of yeah like set up this plot to you know begin it's just it doesn't work it doesn't make sense based off the last movie um it was really funny though and i think the the best thing you can do if you're watching it is me and my girlfriend we basically just sat there we would watch we would pause we would piss ourselves laughing as we made fun of it, and then we would resume. And this movie was like, yes. I don't know how long it was, but we could probably chalk up another hour on that time of us just sitting there laughing our asses off. I think in the, within the first half an hour, it took us almost an hour to get through it. So that's probably, you know, double the time of the yeah. movie. That's so probably I, what it's going to take.
1: So I feel like this movie is, uh, so back in the day, Paul, he got Netflix, like, when it first came out, Ooh, and like, yeah, I know, he was, he was getting <laughs> Redbox and shit, Ooh. but, um, but when we'd go over there, we'd go, we'd get, we get all drunk and then we turn on Netflix and it didn't, like, it didn't have, like, mainstream normal movie titles. So we'd get drunk and watch things like Thanksgiving, which is, uh, a turkey that killed everybody. It'd just walk around, <laughs> and kill people. And the opening scene is this, this, this lady running through the forest, tits out, bouncing everywhere, and then a turkey chasing her and killing her. And wow. like that yeah and then uh, then Pudi Tang which was made by Chris Rock but it's nice. a it's a guy that doesn't say real words he's like Wabata bitches and like just ridiculous movies same as what you're talking about right now where <laughs> if you actually pay attention to what what's happening you, you you're not watching it but if you get drunk and stoned it's pretty fucking funny, like you keep it on you keep it on the background and just look at it like, Wow, they did this like I could do that, <laughs> but yeah i I feel like i have I've reached a level in my life that i need to be i need to be with certain people to watch that kind of show i I can't be like if i'm if me and me and the wife have time, the girls are in bed and we got like an hour or two to ourselves. I can't choose that. I, I got so many different things I got to get through. I cannot choose that anymore. That's so funny. Um,
0: another movie that came out. So I haven't watched this one. We talked about it before, but it still kind of grinds my gears. That Cuties movie finally came out. So I have watched several like reviews and people like breaking it down. A lot of commentary channels on YouTube have addressed this movie and talked about it. And so, I guess, when you watch the movie, it does have a relative coming-of-age story. And I think one of the arguments that I've heard around is that you can't boycott a movie because the story they tell makes you uncomfortable. Because then you start to think of other movies, like, you know, uh, like they use Schindler's List as an example just other movies with like you know screwed up concepts or like really uncomfortable realities um because if you don't show those movies and like those graphic scenes in like how they play out in reality you don't realize that that's someone else's reality that they're actually living in those horrifying situations
1: and so like I'm I'm waiting for you to finish because I completely disagree with that comparison and I think you do too. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to throw that out there before we get too far here.
0: So to a degree, I hear what they're saying and my brain goes to other movies that I think are shot or probably done in a similar way and so the movies that I I think about are this movie I think it was called 8th Grade, um that movie that Bo Burnham did. Yeah. Um where the girl's just basically just living her life. It's shot very much in just like a real setting for her, just tracking her life. Um, And yeah, there's an uncomfortable moment in that scene where she's like almost raped or something. And yeah, very uncomfortable, but it's different. And then there's a movie called kids that came out long ass time ago. Um, And it shows like hard, hard reality of what it's like to be a teenager in the nineties living in New York. And going to parties and everyone's underage and you know people are getting drunk and stoned people are getting drugged you know the one of the boys is like raping one of the girls that passed out like they show really fucked up things that are uncomfortable but they do it in a certain way where they're just showing you the reality of it and then they
1: aren't telling you that this is a good idea yeah
0: um and then there's even um not so much of a traumatic movie but there's a movie uh Jonah Hill put out couple years ago called 90s kid i think mid 90s mid 90s that's right um i love that movie once again shows like kind of like the the reality of living in that era living um in that environment in that part of the world in the states um showing you know shitty home life all that stuff uh drug use stuff like that so they show that stuff and it is it's powerful because those people are doing it Mm -hmm. so i get that so you know to put this flag saying that this movie is inappropriate for exploiting children because they made children play these roles that real children live. I understand what they're saying, and the reason why I still hate this movie and will not watch it is because
1: this is what I'm here for. <laughs> is, I've been holding on, I've been on a tightrope, I've been keeping my keeping my hip mouth shut as hard as I can is because
0: they don't do it like the other movies in the sense where they show those like dark moments. In fact, within the marketing and the way that the movie's shot, they glorify some really fucked up things. Like the way they, from what I've heard, like I said, I haven't watched this movie because I do not want to support it. But I've watched enough reviews on it that I think I know what I'm talking about. Um, there's certain scenes. I will have
1: porn on my internet browser. I will not have cuties. When I die, <laughs> I, is that you don't clear the history for the porn, you clear for that exact movie, because that's the, the worst movie I can ever well, imagine. I, I well, still,
0: I still agree that this movie was made by perverts. I understand. 100%. I understand the story, the coming of age story, yeah. you know, kids getting abused in this industry. I get it. But it's still... Yeah, they were the
1: ones abusing them.
0: So, the one thing that they do, apparently, several times in the movie, are these weird like pans of these girls' butts. Gross. They're kids. But going back to that first picture that everybody was talking about where they're in like their cheer clothes or whatever and they're like twerking and stuff um they glorify that moment and we critique you know we criticize them at first for you know putting these little girls in these skippy outfits and like using that as the marketing material but when you watch the movie from what i understand is in the you know the moment where she realizes that She doesn't want to do what she's doing anymore. She isn't happy with it. This is like the lowest point of her life that she realizes everything she's been doing at this point is a mistake and she doesn't want to do what she's about to do. And she's like crying and she's like, I don't want to do this. I want to go home and I want to like go back to living my life. I'm tired of whatever this is. The moment that that's happening, she's in this outfit. It's the same outfits they have them twerking on in the fucking promo promo pictures. So their marketing the sexualization of her worst moment. The worst moment. And I'm not saying like that's the same thing as getting raped, but that's like 8th grade advertising that movie with the dude reaching over the girl's shoulder in the car in the dark when he's about to try and rape her. That's the same yeah. dark moment of the movie that you don't want to see, that's uncomfortable, and she's that's what they're promoting. Yeah. That's so gross.
1: That's that's yeah, and just a throwback cuz I I don't even know I don't even know how to talk about this one, but like just a throwback for the Kevin Love thing. If they if they promoted the moment after he had his crazy panic attack that his he had a huge panic attack in the middle of a, in the middle of the arena, freaked out everybody. If they they advertised the moment right before or right after that, it'd be like okay the, that was kind of fucked up of you because I have to look at that and remember that. And then there's a lot of people that like a lot of kids that probably have grown up and had like a a situation like that where, especially with girls, they feel uncomfortable, but they, they're also insecure and they, they don't want to cause the scene. So they go ahead and do it anyway. They, they spent the whole, whole night crying in their room, whole morning crying, thinking about it. And then they go do it because they don't want to be that rude person that doesn't do it. And that's that's the scene that is getting marketed that's the main thing and yeah for the the main difference i find with it between all other things is the fact that it's supposed to be a positive like the 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 promo picture like without any context behind it i'm like okay well i've i know i have different people in uh like my family and britney's family that are dancers and different friends and like it's Weird as hell to me, but they wear those kind of outfits, and you don't have to sexualize it. You like it. They can wear those outfits and do a, like do their dance, and it doesn't have to be a sexual thing. But the idea is that they're doing a sexual dance, twerking. Like it's, twerking isn't meant to be like a method acting. It's it's a fucking sexual thing. That's the whole purpose behind it. So being in an outfit is whatever, because there's cheerleaders, there's cheerleaders for football, basketball, everything so you can wear those outfits and whatever they're be, they're super young so it's like if you look at it that way yes it is a bad thing but the promo picture itself i don't care like you can put out whatever you want there but the message behind the whole thing is that she's having a coming of age story at like 14 Eleven. Can, yeah Eleven. yeah like you you you're fully fi- figuring out your sexual self at 11 like that's where the image is prop- wrong because you're you can't. You don't even know who you are at that point. Like, I don't even, like, at 11, I was playing Foursquare, and I didn't know girls. Like, I knew, I knew guys. I, like, girls were there. That was about it. They just showed up. I didn't know, I didn't have my sexual awakening. Like, it's, it's like, the, the idea behind it just doesn't make sense. I can't even fathom pitching that to it. Like, Imagine going into a room with a bunch of executives and being like, Okay, so now these these little girls, they're gonna wear dresses, but like not long enough that they could go to school in, but like short enough that they get suspended for. It. And then I'm gonna have them twerking and I'm gonna have it as like a good idea. Like their their family eventually will come around to it. They'll they'll figure out. What do you think? Like, how how could you even, like, market that to somebody? Yeah.
0: Like, I, I, I had heard somebody talk about how, like, you know, these twerk groups are a real thing. Like, you could go on YouTube right now and, like, Google these fucking kids' twerk groups and they are real. It's just, like, I get that it's someone's reality They're and it's uncomfortable. It's just, you gotta do it, if you're gonna show these, like, fucked up, you know, real life things... Don't mark it the lowest point.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. When you said that part, that's yeah. Like the moment that you break down, it's yeah. um. Yeah, I didn't maybe throw myself under the bus on this, but me and Brittany went and saw Katy Perry a couple of years ago when <laughs> the, uh, we <laughs> saw it's we saw yourself <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> we saw her live, but we also went and saw the movie. Okay, and uh, like she, there was a point in there that uh, that Russell Brand broke up with her, and she was about to have her show, and she's broken down, she's bawling everywhere and they all like huddle around her like they do their like pre-ritual huddle and everything and she's bawling, bawling. She walks to the front and there's a thing that raises her up to the stage she's crying like crazy the lights go on and she just she opens her eyes, puts on a smile and goes out and does it and it's like if somebody else marketed that moment, but like she, she put out the movie, like it's all her all her say so she she has the creativity and she understands this is gonna be out there people are gonna see it that's fine but if somebody else had put that out there as her worst moment and then she gets to look and see they knew that they knew that this was my worst moment and they chose to glorify it to everybody yeah like it's definitely a different tone when you're telling someone's story versus telling your own
0: so I totally agree with that Um,
1: but yeah definitely did go to Katy Perry on my own (laughs) willingness and I don't know who opened for I can't remember any of it. But. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> so
0: another thing that we were going to talk about today is we had the, been given the suggestion to talk about five songs that mean something to yes, us. Yes,
1: by my lovely wife who... Brittany and Dustin are the only two people that... I feel like they they don't talk to anybody else about music and they both like they like Brittany doesn't really respect other people's opinions on music because (laughs) she has she is she is well versed in what like when she's wait I'll listen to a song and she'll be like oh is that that's this that's this person from this other band and I'm like I don't know any of it and she'll kind of (laughs) like she'll dissect who's singing who was over here what band they were coming from. Same as Dustin, they're they're like kind of uh, the battle of the bands, they can go all day on it, so they kind of respect each other's opinions, so she gave me this idea where I know music a little tiny bit, so like my music's not going to be as relevant, but (laughs) mine will be relevant, his will be nostalgic and like deep and actually good songs and shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My mom was a musician, so I grew up around music she's taught me so much uh, music in my day um, my whole family has some different form of taste growing up one of my sisters was a bit of a little gangster girl when she was growing up like Tupac one of them listened to some more hardcore music and like Nine Inch Nails one of them listened to country music and you know my mom's yeah, you know everything in between. She's from rock and roll to disco. She's all yeah, over the place. Yeah, revs everywhere. Rev's yeah. crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, my parents, they uh, they love classic rock. So I've I've been around that my whole life. And now that I'm kind of getting older, I go to my own shows. Um, I think uh, generally I'm listening to more like uh, kind of like indie pop rock. Uh, I still listen to rock and roll. Like right now, I say like my two favorite uh rock bands are probably the struts um which we saw yep. with me kyle Britt. well oh uh, um,
1: no that time i didn't get to see them that was my <laughs> second show i didn't get to see them that's
0: the that second story we'll get to that <laughs> yeah today. we'll get to that after but
1: um I, they
0: showed me that and they're, they're absolutely amazing um best then, live
1: band i've ever seen in my life um
0: and then my my number one is imagine dragons right now they're i just love these guys um so that's generally my taste. Like I've I've grown up a little bit my own, but I have heard it all. My phone right now, you know, four thousand songs. Basically anything. If I ever remember the words to a song, I download it on my phone. So you,
1: you get in the car. It's a name that tune until you get to wherever you yeah, are. Yeah,
0: we yes. we can just sit there and quiz each other on what songs playing all all day because there's so much and there's so much variety. So you never really know. And uh, that's the thing. Me and Britt have always bonded because you know every time you know I kill a name that tune. Britt has been an absolute beast. And uh, whenever we play Name That Dude, she has been just as good as me. So she knows her shit. I'll give her her I credit. take hard
1: L's. <laughs> like, there's not many things I lose at. But these, I don't even play. Like, it's... I don't even get a participation trophy. <laughs> um. So, yeah...
0: Uh, do you want to jump into your struts story quick
1: <laughs> okay oh god this guy. so like yeah so beforehand me and me and break go we see struts the, for our first time they have shitty openers but then uh they they come out and they're just they they have so much energy it's a reincarnation of uh the dude from queen whatever the fuck. freddie mercury, freddie mercury. <laughs> i was gonna call him johnny mercury that's why i didn't say it <laughs> But uh, Freddie Mercury, like he's he's got so much back, and like uh, in his um his Spotify or whatever I think his Spotify thing, he said I'm the biggest rock star you've never heard of, and he is. He wears the, he wears the makeup, he has the the like the scarfs, and he just goes. He's yeah crazy. The he's, best show I've ever he's seen in my life. Out
0: of his era, he's dialed up to the nines. Yeah. This guy is a complete performer and entertainer in the purest sense of the word. Yeah. It's an amazing show.
1: So we, we see him the first time. He's unreal. So then the next time we see he's coming out, and I'm like, "Hey, Dustin, I know we'll want to see this. Like, I like I feel like he might even be the best show he's seen, and that's saying something. So I invite him. So we go. Uh, Obviously, he's driving because he doesn't drink, so me and Britt are drinking. And we we get there early, and we decide, I think we went to Chinatown, <laughs> and we went to this. We needed some food. This is so like late night. Yeah, get we, some
0: food just before the show. We go to
1: Chinatown and we go into this mall, looking <laughs> for food, and, <laughs> and we end up because I forget that I'm sitting beside Iron Mark, Iron Mike's stomach. <laughs> he, like nothing penetrates it so we end up going to fucking taco bell
0: no no no! it wasn't taco bell it was, it was this very low-key i'm pretty sure anyone not from this part of the country has even heard of it it's called taco time oh yeah it's like a little it's die. like a little taco brother bell. of taco bello here but the thing is is like
1: they have less quality efficiency <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's like me it's like that one fast food place that like has like two or three locations in like The entire province, like it's really not popular. (laughs) And 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 but the thing is, is when I was growing up, there was a Taco Time near my house that eventually got you know bought and sold and turned into a Taco Bell. But for a while there, I used to go to this Taco Time as a kid, and I loved it. So I have like these good memories of Taco Time. But as an adult, that food, like everyone makes jokes about getting Taco Bell shit. Taco time is, like, three times no, worse. No, taco time
1: doesn't end with one <laughs> hole. It's, <laughs> oh, fuck. So we, 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 we get our fucking burritos, and uh, so we go, to, we go to the show, and they've got decent openers. So we're, we're all, like, me and Brett are drinking. We're at the front. We're right at the front of the, uh, the stage, and then, like, they basically, it's the in-between where stress is about to come out. They kind of say, like, we're about to start up, And I feel it. Just, oh, I'm I'm like, oh, no. Okay, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Hold my spot. I'm sitting at the front of the stage with a packed crowd. You're not holding my fucking spot. I rush to the bathroom. I just shit and throw up like crazy. And I hear the struts come out. And I'm like, oh, I got to get back out there. I can't leave. (laughs) I got, I I got a bucket in my hand, a garbage pail and I'm shitting like crazy. And I'm like, this is exact moment that I've been here. I've been waiting here. I ate food for this. I came out on like, I think it was a Tuesday. I have work in the morning and I came out for this and I'm sitting there and I'm like, they're all going to think I was drunk, but like I've had maybe two beer. Like while I've been there, we drank on the way up, but like, it wasn't, it was, I just got fucking top of time. Poisoning (laughs) So I'm I'm just Excavating the body For the entire show Everything's done And I finally get out Turns out He's been fucking singing to my girlfriend the whole time. <laughs> yeah, me and Brett had a great time. It was an and, awesome and show. And like they're just like, Oh wow, this is the best. Dustin's like, Yeah, this is you're you're right. This guy is the best live. And I'm sitting there <laughs> like this is the worst time of my life. So we drive back, we have to stop multiple times for me to throw up. I throw up outside of Lickman. I I throw up everywhere, but my car is parked in Lickman. So we get out there and then Brit, like we're I'm old in the car and I'm like, I don't know, and Brittany's like, you gotta try and throw up more. So I do the two two finger salute, <laughs> start throwing up all over the side of the road, I'm like, hey, let's get home. So I get home, it's probably like twelve thirty-one-ish. So I I go to bed and I wake up at two thirty so I can get up and go to work at three. <laughs> and I get to work and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but today's not that day. <laughs> And I throw up till 8 a.m. <laughs> and then I go home and then I keep throwing up and it's 24 hours of the worst taco time <laughs> poisoning, missing my favorite show. And I think that's a common theme with me. I'm like, when I'm really excited for a show, something go- goes wrong. I just we- don't
0: understand. Cause like we ate at the same place. We had, I think we ordered like the same thing. I think you just ordered what I ordered because you weren't quite sure what to get. You're yeah. like, oh, Dustin's this is getting, it must be good. And like, I felt the smallest tickle in my tummy. But like you said, I, you're, I, diff-
1: it's an, it's you're a- people are built different. There's, <laughs> I there's different iron stomach people. Like and- I, I felt like I, I used to, I like, I've, I've had a decent stomach before, but like, I don't have that kind of, I can't withstand the food poisoning and just kind of, my stomach doesn't just say, Hey, no, we're good. My stomach says, Go. Let's get this shit out of here. I got nothing I, got, I I don't have a lot of in me. I need to get rid of all the bad, otherwise I'm gonna be ninety percent fucking taco time.
0: Yeah, so But yeah, then it's a great
1: show. The, the next yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the the last show I went to was with Brit, her it was the most embarrassing thing, back to mental health thing. My first ever panic attack was we go to the killers. We're on the floor. This is Britney's favorite band Mm. of all time. We slowly are inching our way forward, getting through the crowd. We get to the, almost to the very front. They're announced. They come out, and I start having a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack. I'm on fire. I'm throwing my clothes off. I'm freaking out that we need to get out. We need to leave. I'm, fucking freaking out and this is her favorite band oh, just showed up no. and she comes with me we go to the back and then literally we get out of the crowd and i'm fine nothing's wrong i'm good now wow that sucks we're at the very back on the floor to her favorite band it was the worst moment because i'm like i have no explanation for what happened because i didn't even know what it was i just, i was i got hot Everything, I was on fire. Like, I'd throw my jacket off. Everything, I I was freaking out. And then I was completely fine. And I'm like, I just ruined. Like, this experience was only for her. We were only here because she likes the killers. And I ruined this. That sucks so much. And was back-to-back concerts, I fucked up. Oh, man. <laughs> that one was worse because she didn't at least get to see the show. But on to our top five. So we'll go... Uh, well, it's not not a top five. It's in like five, four, three, two, one. Just top five, just in how we felt at that moment when we heard that song. We got five songs. And we'll go back to back. You go first. I'll go second, and then we'll we'll just keep going from there. Kind of do a brief brief synopsis of how we felt at that moment. Alrighty. Whew. So,
0: the first song it was an easy choice. Um, I only have one song tattooed on my body, so it made sense that it had to be on the list. Yeah. Um, carry on my wayward son by Kansas 1972 I have the lyrics of the chorus carry on my wayward son there'll be peace when you are done lay your weary head to rest don't you cry no more and this song to me was an ode to my grandmother who had done so much for me in my life a lot of my football success was because she was able to send me to camps to get coaching from higher coaches send me here, send me there. She supported me a lot through my football career and so I owed a lot to her. And when I was in my first year of university, she passed away and she never really got to see the fruits of her labor. Um, and basically those words to me were kind of a reminder that she wouldn't want me to sit there and mourn and cry and you know waste my time being sad because I was at this point playing football, I had a a reason to be there, I had a purpose. We had a goal that we had together for me to achieve and if I sat there crying, I would waste that opportunity. She would want me to keep working and every time I hear that song, I think of my grandmother and I think of all of those feelings so it is a very emotional topic of conversation for me. You're up that's big man this guy's like Bob hansen
1: no. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no uh well if you can go emotional right off the bat i'm gonna join with you but in a completely different way <laughs> okay, so okay okay so it, it's not gonna make sense right off the bat but my first song is down with the sickness by disturbed
0: hey i like that track. so okay.
1: So obviously it gets you hyped no matter who the fuck you are. <laughs> but uh But so so track. back back in the day, uh like shit happened but uh, It was uh, me and my brother and my dad and uh we've we've been real, real poor and uh at the time we were living in uh one room loft, like not one bedroom, it was one room. It was uh we had we had a room and a little nook where we put our bed, where we all slept on. And it was, uh, you had the, the shower was in that room. The living room was there. The kitchen was beside the shower and then the nook with your bed. And then we had a bathroom downstairs in the, the shop that we were staying in. But, um, my brother did not like to wake up. He just, it doesn't matter what alarm, what you did. So, my dad, we had basically the only thing that we had that was worth anything, really, was a really good sound system. So, 6 a.m. <laughs> as loud as this motherfucking can go, you can hear all of Alexander. Like, the entire road, you can hear it. Oh, wow! <laughs> just, and that's how we woke my brother up every morning for He's school. Like, Fuck. <laughs> he just he just like he'd eventually be like, I get it, I'm up, but you can't hear him. Cause me and my dad are just fucking thrashing to the song. <laughs> But it just reminds me. This song every time it just reminds me like we it was a shit situation, everything was not good, but like we, we just had this song that should not have been a happy moment. Down to sickness by disturbed is not supposed to be your happy place. But we, we made it work. So that's my first song. Down to Sickness by Disturbed. Okay, okay.
0: The next track I got on my list. From 1997. We got I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy and the Family. That's a track that uh, I remember when I was in high school. Um, one of my teammates passed away after graduation. Rest in peace, fallen brother, Desmond Bassey. Um, and I remember... You know, obviously it was a it was a tough time. You know, the football team was quite. Uh, we we're a tight, pretty tight group, and we had had their uh, you know, kind of like a little ceremony at the field, lit lighting candles and stuff in his honor. And uh, eventually, you know, we had like his funeral and everybody was there and stuff like that. And you know, I had like I had someone with me um, for all of those things. Uh, my sister, so it was like I wasn't doing that stuff alone. Um, <clears throat> But I remember it was pretty, pretty close after all of that had kind of done and I was still like, you know, just like going day to day. I remember I was in the car and this song came on talking about, you know, just if you've if you heard the song, you know the lyrics, it's, it's, it was written after uh, Notorious B.I.G. passed away and by his friends. It's talking about like, you know, just thinking about like yesterday, you know, just like you do everything together and all these things, it's about their fallen friend. Immediately I was just like bawling in the car and it's ever since that in high school. Like nowadays I can probably listen to it without completely crying, but like there was there was a good, you know, five, six years that if I ever heard that song playing anywhere, I would just start like tearing up because of how much weight that, that I had felt in those moments and then hearing that song close together just tied it to me so quickly that I'll never forget. That's a big one. <laughs> Got it. So, I'm just hitting you
1: with so much emotion it causes like, I like stars. <laughs> well, it's, it's called It Is One With Toes by Zach Brown Band. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, I never, like, yet again, I was, like, we, I didn't grow up with any money. Like, not like a little, like, we didn't really have much money at all. But, uh, when, when me and Brittany got together, like, uh, like, I start, I was working, she was working, and. We uh we went to I just remember going to go to Mexico for the first time, going all inclusive, like just felt like fucking royalty and like that's this the song just it it was like today's a good day. Like same like that, that obviously it's a different song, but same same feeling where like I had to I like sat in the in the sand with a waiter giving me a drink to sit there and do nothing and i just that was that was my life for that that week and it was i i went to mexico a couple times but it was kind of like the the first time that i went it was kind of like holy shit like this is a real life thing like this is happening to you like i had i've done like i've i went from fucking ramen noodles to this <laughs> like i i I'm, I'm somebody not not like obviously it's yeah. not my my identity or whatever but like i was able to Experience what having a little bit of money and actually like going and doing something like uh, like my dad's, my dad's doing like we're doing better money wise all around, but we went from the bottom. Don't don't make me don't make me quote him. <laughs> don't Shut make up. me quote him. I know you're quoting. <laughs> Started on the bottom now here, but uh, <laughs> but every time I hear that song, it just it makes me happy. Like if I if I'm in a bad mood, or anything, I just listen to that and it just reminds me that like I could be in a shittier situation, but like just think about it. I got it. Like and then even the end of this the song like got my, my got my toes in the clay. You don't have to be in the sand to have a happy spot. You could be sitting in your garage with your best friend with a mic. Hey, you could be your happy place. Hey, let's go, brother. Respect This is my second Alrighty Next one up We've
0: got A song that My mother showed me this song And so it already had a lot of meaning In that regard Because she really liked it her whole life And uh, she shared it with me And it immediately meant a lot to me as well And that was uh, Already Gone by the Eagles In 1974 And so this song is Contextually about a guy that finds out his girlfriend's going to break up with him and he's obviously a little butt hurt because he feels like he put a lot into it and she's just like, oh no, you know, it's not you, it's me. Like she's, you know, she's kind of beating around the bush and he's like, fuck that, I'm already out of here, fuck you. And this is like his, his victory song, this is him kind of being reborn. Now, I haven't had that exact scenario, but there's two lyrics in this song that always stood out to me and were kind of things that I've hold, held on to for a long time. So the first one, he says, um, how's it go? He says, oftentimes we live our lives in chains never really knowing that we have the key. And it's like thinking about that outside of the context of this relationship, there's so many ways that that those words can relate to so many struggles you deal with in your life day to day. You never really know you have the key. You have the power Mm. to change what your situation is. And, it. you know, we talked about it when I told, like, my story, you know, back in my, like, third episode or whatever. Talked about that quote, you have to be willing to give up who you are for what you can become. That quote kind of has the same message to me in a lot of ways. And so that line alone by itself was always a very powerful one. Um the second lyric in that song that always meant a lot was um, how does it going Um, trying to remember exactly the wording you can stare at the stars and still not see the light and basically what he's saying is just because you see something doesn't mean you really see it just because you're looking at someone are you looking at them for who they are in reality or are you just looking at what you think Because you can stare at the stars and just think the stars, you can stare and you just don't understand what you're really looking at. Mm. And basically he's talking about, you know, the value in somebody, undervaluing and underestimating somebody of what they really mean. And I feel like for me personally, that also has a lot of significance of people doubting me, people not really seeing my worth the way I see me, the way I know what I'm worth, people not valuing me the way.
1: I'm I'm, I'm smiling, I'm laughing. It's because... I'm such a Neanderthal, <laughs> In I I picked my songs off songs that just happen to be on at different times. Like, <laughs> like this dude's got metaphors. He's, he's like he has a true meaning. Like like I should be cut from this podcast and put Brittany on for this moment. Like Britney, Britney, you could give it. I'm I'm like I had my toes in the sand at the same time that I said toes in the sand, and I thought that was really nice. <laughs> I was just sitting here like, oh my god, this guy is like, you pitched this his idea. Didn't realize I know. how serious. No, I, I did. I I told Brittany, I'm like, I I should just, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of mine and I'm gonna give it to him on the spot, so then he won't be fully prepared. <laughs> and then she's like, no, you gotta let him prepare. Because I'm like, because for her, she's like, if you told me to prepare, I knew exactly what I'd say. So you. <laughs> she sat there She gave me an L In that moment um, She gave me an L For you Appreciate you Brett Yeah Kick
0: out of up
1: Fucking I don't even know <laughs> Should
0: I even do it
1: no. I My third song Is Never Enough By uh, By Eminem 50 Cent Cause I fucking love it <laughs> <laughs> It's just an awesome song I know all the words. <laughs> I every time it comes on, it pumps me out They talk about how no matter how good they get, like no matter what they do, whatever charts they top, they always have to worry about the people that hate them. So they got it's never enough. They always got to fucking like go at the next guy. Like Eminem just had to go at MGK, 50 so Cent goes at fucking everybody on Instagram. That's it. <laughs> That's it, there's no hidden agenda. There's no fucking cool metaphor for you guys to like know for yourselves. This is just me. It's only me. Go back to Dustin for your inspiration here, sirs. God I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry, God.
1: It's okay, it's okay. This is this is your genre. I have basketball, you have football and everything else.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Coming in at number four. This one uh, is another one uh, for my mothers, and for those of you that don't know, um, I was raised by uh, two strong uh, lesbian uh, mothers. Yeah, um, a mothers with an S. <laughs> mothers with an S. I did not have a father figure in my life, but my mothers did an absolutely amazing job, um,
1: and I love them very much. Yeah. And so, and just having two girls in the house <laughs> doesn't mean you're not getting your ass kicked. <laughs> that's a, that's what that's what the two te- taught us. Um,
0: so, when I was growing up, um, you know, gay marriage was kind of a taboo thing going on, um, but fortunately my parents were together, they were together before I was born, um, but they were, I was able to see their day um, back in 2011 when they finally got married, Fuck yeah. <laughs> that was a very great day, and one song that they had as their wedding song, which has been like their their favorite, you know, couple song for as long as I've been around. Um, and that's a 1991 Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. And in this song, he talks about how it doesn't matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter what people think of us. The only thing that matters is that we love each other and that we're there. Um, and it's a very emotional song. It's a very powerful song. And just thinking of how strong my parents are, you know, to grow up, you know being gay in the 80s and 90s you know that's not easy <clears throat> um not really understanding you know where you find yourself in this world when everybody's you know shitting on you just because you're different those are struggles I've never had to experience um but to see how they were able to battle through that and be the women that they are today much love I'm gonna I'm try and not cry right now because I love my parents so much but uh Thank you to both my mothers and that one. Every time I hear that song I think of them. Kyle, you're up. <laughs> nope.
1: So it was actually perfect timing that you chose that and uh hence here, here's the word I said there. The <laughs> the song is Perfect by Ed Sheeran. This is uh this is my wedding song with my with Brittany. And it was, uh, it was kind of like, an we had looked at songs, it was kind of like the obvious pick because it was, like, we were, like, we were just kids when we fell in love. That's, that's like the main message of the thing is that, like, that's what we were. We, we felt, like, I fell in love the moment I met her. Like, I saw her, like, it's, I've told her it's cheesy and whatever, but I remember at CSS, I was on the, uh, up High the, up the stairs. Up Up the stairs. I looked down and she was at uh, the bench. So there's the front, uh, the front of the office, and then around the corner is a little nook, and there's a bench. And her and her friends hung out there. I looked and I saw her, and I'm like, "Wow, that girl's hot." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Carl, I like, fell in love with you. You're so hot. <laughs> who, who is that? And then
1: like I, I, like I found out who it was, and then I, I like nothing happened. But then I, I was over just at actually Paul's. house across the street and we were having some like uh, we did with young down we had tent events so the subdivision was still being built so we would get we would get our tents and get two four a beer each and go down and tent <laughs> at, at where they haven't finished building it <laughs> so in the morning after we were we were outside and then uh Brittany and uh, friend uh Becca were upstairs and in their window and they were like yelling over at us and I saw her and I I recognized her and I, like, asked Paul how she how he knew her and kind of, like, tried to get a connect there. But, like, that's how we, we kind of became is, like, we were kids and I was just trying to figure out how, like, to even hit on girls like, played <laughs> yeah. sports. I didn't know shit. Like, I was yeah. some <laughs> tiny, tiny skinny kid. Like, I, I don't know what the, like, if girls like me. But then, uh, yeah, the, the, song, the song fit us perfectly. We fell in love when we were young. We kind of, everything we've done has been, like, our our. Our firsts, like having a house, having kids, having cars, having vacations. Well, she had vacations when she was younger, but like my first, pretty much all of my firsts with her, and yeah, we just, it was, it's my, my favorite song. Every time it goes on, it kind of, it's a slow dance moment. Doesn't matter who it is. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: There you go. Hit hit the emotion. I made it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking made it. Um the uh the last song i got here see the other songs they were all old you you knew those songs those songs have been around for a while this next one more of a modern pick um and it is a uh (laughs) and it is a song that um me and my girlfriend it's probably one of our favorite songs together and and so anybody that's been in a serious relationship knows that relationships take work People make mistakes. I, I'm talking to the preacher of the choir here. Kyle's out here with a wife. I have a girlfriend. so <laughs> no, I'm, I'm
1: talking, you're, you're talking, I think one or two people might listen. So You're talking to a couple more. It's okay. Um,
0: but uh, yeah, everybody, you know, relationships take a lot of work. Um, if you're self aware, even at all, you understand that you've made mistakes. You've done things you regret. Um, but in a, in, a, in a good relationship, you know, you acknowledge when you make mistakes and you don't just like give up on things you keep working through it and you strive to be better all the time for you for your partner um and there's a song that came out in 2018 by imagine dragons called west coast and basically it's a uh, a song of him talking about uh, you know talking to his partner uh, you know telling her like don't give up like i can be better like i've made mistakes just everything i just said you know He's made mistakes he's gonna be better don't give up on me i won't give up on you and that kind of mentality of you know working through your your struggles and trying to understand each other and understand those problems and not just like throwing in the towel when things get rough or things get rocky mm-hmm. for even a moment for us that was really you know we've been in a pretty good place but there's been moments where hearing that song definitely brought us out of whatever anger we were feeling in a moment mm-hmm. um and re- refocused us into why we're together how much we love each other and why we love each other and uh, I think for that reason that song will always have that significance to me
1: that's a uh, it's not my final song but uh, a song by Britney's favorite band uh, The Killers uh, uh, Rut it's kind of it kind of has the same thing like don't don't give up on me I'm just in a rut like sometimes you're just like you as a person whether or not you're with, like, in a relationship or not. Sometimes you just kind of you have a moment where it's like a couple weeks of just, shit. I haven't done anything. I, I'm doing everything wrong. Please don't give up on me. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not. This isn't me. I'm fucking up. I'm. I'm having a situation. Don't give up on me. Give me a little bit more time. I can make. We can make this work. So yeah, that's that's big. So my last song, it's uh, it's a song that most people won't know. It's um shine by bishop gunn so this this song is uh it's there's a there's a podcaster slash comedian um uh theo vaughn he has a podcast called the Lo- this past weekend and uh so he his whole his whole backstory is he used to be on a lot of drugs he kind of worked his way through them he's been sober for whatever amount of time but um this song every time i hear it, it just it uh it makes I don't know, it it's uh I think it's a little bit religious, but it's uh it just it's a feel good song that basically talks about like just shine like i uh, it's it's a hard hard song to explain. It's just it makes me feel good. Like it's uh at any point at any time I put that song on, it it changes my body temperature. Like I, I go from hot to cold. I go from from mad to okay to from sad to happy it's just uh it's it's my it's my favorite song Brittany has heard it about a billion times <laughs> when i i go to the google home hey google play play oh shit <laughs> google's going off but <laughs> I, I i tell google what to play and it and i go right off the bat every time and it's just uh it's my favorite song if you haven't heard it take a listen it's it's worth what was a listen. again? Shine by Bishop Gunn. Hmm. You probably, it's not, it's not a mainstream song. I don't even, I don't know, I've never heard anything else from the guy. I only know it from the podcast and like the first time I listened to the podcast, like it was a, like the one that I listened to was really like deep and whatever then the song came on and it kind of, it, it kind of changed my life. Like not, like not changed my life but like, the way the way only music can yes. you listen to a song and for some reason you're never the same
0: I feel you I understand that
1: and that's that's the main reason why I wanted like to bring up our top five is that like like from knowing you and knowing Brittany, I never knew that music like I, music was always there it was just you listen to a song and then you go on your day I never really realized how it can kind of craft your life and that you can kind of like take it and it it enca- encap I don't know if that's the word yeah, either. That is oh, the yeah. right word, yes. Yeah, okay. Continue. I wasn't sure I was gonna try to create <laughs> that one myself, but uh I'll give somebody else credit for that one. And uh encapsulates the moment that you heard it or the moment that you you remember after you hear it and it's uh it's a it's a different thing. I never I never thought of it that way until like very recently. And now I'm I'm starting to look at music a whole different light.
0: It's beautiful. And that's the thing, I think, uh music is one of those things, yeah, like you said, it's kinda like how like a good tattoo can just hold that meaning for you for the rest of your life. It mm-hmm. you can just hold that memory in a way that not many other things can. Um and you can you know, re experience it over and over and <clears> that's so why music is beautiful. I uh I've always had a strong love for music, so I totally understand that. Um but uh that's uh that's pretty much all we got for today we uh <laughs> we went on about a lot of things. Thank you all for listening again. Uh, by the way, Kyle, we uh, we hit India this last week, so uh, oh. to whoever that random person living in India was that listened, yo, big ups to you. You're a homie. Uh, Thank you, sir. <laughs> or madam I'm assuming, sir, if I'm
1: going to go by the demographic. Yeah, but, you
0: know, we're like over 68% males listening, yeah. but hey, you know what? That's a lot. But. Appreciate, uh, appreciate all support, guys. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, some more bullshit. Peace. Yeah.